I'm excited to bring you guys another episode. I'm your host, Gavin Sodders, and welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. This is episode 62. It's a good one. Got a repeat guest, Austin Stone, the owner of Tactical Approach Outdoors. He's a wealth of knowledge, man. I love having him on here. I have my co-host, Angelo. He's part of the Whitetail Bloodline team. And our main topic for this is public land hunting and more so Austin's Kansas public land buck he killed this year. Real good buck, but we get into trail cameras. Trail cameras played a huge role of how he ended up getting this buck. And he actually ended up getting the kill shot of this buck hitting a scrape from his trail camera. He just started diving into saddle hunting this year. So we talk about that a little bit, talk about a lot in between. So it's a great episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in and this one will not disappoint. There he is. What's, what's going on, Austin? What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good. Got Angelo. What's up, man? How what's, are you? Good. How you doing, Angelo? Good, man. Good. Thanks, thanks for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I enjoy talking to you guys. Yep. This is like, what, third time? Fourth time? Yeah, I think this is the third time. We did that quick Thanks. one kind of mid-season, and yeah, I think this is the third one here. Well, appreciate you uh, coming on here to talk with us. We're excited, man. I Definitely. don't know a whole lot of the details about it. I mean, we follow you, and we like all your stuff, but still, you don't always get the detail side of it. So. Oh, yeah. I definitely get that. There's always so much you get on on it on social media right <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> but uh for people that don't know who you are austin just give them a little background on you and what you're doing all right so my name's austin stone i'm the owner of tactical approach outdoors um predominantly i'm a public land hunter and i've been hunting public land my whole life um a little over 20 years now i think this this year was my 21st season and I built Tactical Approach Outdoors to help spread knowledge and help anybody and everybody get into hunting that wants to get started. You know, especially the late onset deer hunters um, coming in as adults. I was fortunate enough to have a mentor growing up, and I know a lot of people didn't have that. So I wanted to, to build a education platform and offer mentoring services and any other kind of consulting services to help help deer hunters have success in the woods. So, yeah, I built yep. uh, that YouTube ch- channel as well. It's that's been a lot of fun to build throughout the years. Yep, we're just starting to get back into our YouTube right before I got on here. Actually, John uh, showed me his video of his Kansas buck, and we're about to drop that. So that's going to be fun, exciting. Start dropping videos again. Oh, that's that's exciting! Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching those. Yeah, he's a John killed that stud, and it's a cool video because we he sends us a bunch of stuff, but it's the same thing. I haven't seen some of the videos, so it's cool seeing him tracking it and then him talking about it when he's like with it and stuff. It's like the stuff I just didn't see, so it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a question for you, Austin. Like, Go for it. You you hunting for like two decades on public land? Do you believe that helps you? Uh, for like land consulting on these private pieces? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because what it does is because I've been hunting public land, I'm forced to think outside the box. So uh, a lot of private land owners that I talk to, they've had the ability to get away with things that I would never be able to get away with as a public land hunter. So, so it allows me to think a little bit more outside the box and um, 
come up with ideas of certain locations that I would consider hunting as a hunt, you know, go, going into a, a property that I'm not sure about, but they never considered it. You know what I mean? And, and also, you know, how to approach hunting that specific spot. So as a public land hunter, I have to assume that that buck's already been bought, right? That, that someone has already walked through that spot that I'm not the, the first one that's been there. So I have to approach it knowing that more than likely there's been some kind of pressure here or close. I need to be very precise on how I hunt it, how I approach it, and make sure all my I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Yep. What it does mostly is it is it allows me to think a little bit more outside the box and find those overlooked spots that are the exact spots that I'm looking for on public land, but could be complete honey holes on a property that has less pressure. Yep. Yeah. I get that a lot. Cause this was my first year, like diving into public land and <clears throat> sorry, my, my throat's itchy, but it's a, it's a whole different ball game. It really is just like the deer are different. They're, they're the same deer and they do the same deer things, but at the same time, they're just a whole smarter beast at the same if to simplify it they're they're very educated is is a good way to to th- think about it and you know so one of the most frustrating things that i've had to de- deal with through the years and figure out is that a lot of times deer the deer on the po- on public land will alter what they do because of hunting pressure me- meaning you don't actually get to see the deer herd move on the property use the property as if they naturally would you know what i mean so so you don't necessarily get to see the sign and the vocalization and the um interaction amongst the herd a lot lot of times on public land just because they're not as comfortable you know what i mean so but you know the more i move around and go to state to state i'm i've been fortunate enough to find places where the deer are still acting like deer you know what i mean so and it's it's helped me really learn how they're supposed to use a property and then when when i get into an area where where they're really uptight and um cautious and moving differently it you just have to keep moving and keep figuring out how they're using that specific property yeah that's 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 a great point because i mean i've hunted private land my whole life i've never i'm totally opposite of you austin so Uh this is this is good to good to hear on my end because i'm looking to you know jump into public land hunting um but that's that's exactly it these deer on these private pieces you know they get into that sort of that pattern you know what you're sort of talking about being deer but on that public piece you know anything could you know spook them and change them i know in your, your youtube video you're talking about how you figured out the wind direction and then they were sort of walking that other ridge based off that wind direction. Like for you to figure that, for you to Sorry, figure, man. for you to figure that out. Like I was watching the video. I'm like, damn, that was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that I found that to be just a, an awesome component that you were bringing to the, you know, to the channel. Yeah. And, and what was really cool, what, what I loved about this specific deer in this, in this season was that it's, it is very hard for me to find 
a buck that is regularly using a spot all season. You know what I mean? That he, he gets bumped. Um, it, he'll be that he's a rut buck where you, he only shows up in November. You got him for three weeks. You better jump on movement or he's gone. And, and this deer was on property all year and he used it, you know, very patternable. I was actually very shocked at how pat- patternable these deer were. They, they used the property predictably and, hmm. and it was, it was a lot of fun actually to experience how these de- deer were using the property. And I mean, any, any chance I can get to observe deer that are <coughs> less pressured, you know, the more I learn about their, their true behaviors when they're not, you know, bitten, chased around and bumped all, all the time. So it was, it was very interesting. The wind, honestly, that the wind made, made or broke all hunts on this this specific spot here so that was very it took some took a few trips to get that figured out but once i figured it out it was it was a game changer and uh when you were hunting kansas you've hunted kansas in the past right no this is my first year okay okay <laughs> so yeah that's <laughs> wow that's even that makes better it more for special oh dude he's a beast bro like wow and you know what he did last year right angelo didn't you kill like what? You had a hell of a year. You killed three. Yeah, yeah. I killed. I killed three last year. Um, all different. Two, was it all different states too? Um, two two in Missouri and one in Iowa. Yeah, uh, the one in Iowa was huge. Yeah, that um, the one in Iowa was a giant eight point. That that was also a, a first first year hunting up there, and um, and then, then I I shot that absolute giant it at the um tail end, middle middle to tail end of november in missouri that 170 that i shot Oof. Super Oof. yeah that's that's amazing and you got them all on video right yes sir all on video yeah, yeah. he's a beast but that's... yeah so let's go into this kansas one man so you decided you want to hunt kansas it's a draw state where you uh did you like put in for the first time last year and draw this year or did you take a while to get a Kansas tag this was the the first first time I ever put in so I actually drew with zero preference points and and all the research I did it looked like you had it right around a 75 percent chance of drawing with zero preference points (laughs) so that that's that's really good odds for a draw state like that so I felt pretty good about about drawing the tag, and so I went ahead and jumped on it. Um, been wanting to get out there for a long time, and had eyes on a specific property for a while. Actually, been been kind of d- doing some um, e scouting on it for a while now. Just never actually set foot on property, and then I talked to uh, a few folks that have been familiar with the property, but are mo- more duck hunters. And they're like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good place to go. You know, we see some good deer come out of there. So like, okay, I'm going there this year. <laughs> what, what was so appealing about that piece of property? It had a lot of diversity for one. Um, it looked like there's quite a bit of, quite a bit of area that was difficult to hunt. So it was, it was a lot of marshy areas and it was circled 
with um, ridge. So, so like you had some nice. ridges outside of the river, and um, but a lot of it was marshy. Had a ton of crops, so there's a lot of ag on property, and um, it looked like a lot of good bedding cover as well on property. You know, between the marshes and until I got up there, I wasn't sure what kind of vegetation was up in the ridges, but I kind of. I kind of was able to, you know, you could pretty much take a guess that there's at least going to be some oaks and, and I was hoping that there'd be some good cedar thickets up there. Um, and that's exactly what it ended up being is the ridges were nothing but cedar thickets and oak flats. So, (laughs) okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And, and a lot, it was possible water access, which I didn't end up accessing by water i mean i crossed a creek to get to where i was going but i didn't end up canoeing in so um that 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 was another reason that drew me true drew me to the property initially and then i just figured out that that's not going to be actually how i'm going to have to hunt yeah like that that kentucky property i hunted on it was marshy and it's kind of cropland the only thing it didn't really have was a whole lot of ridges had small rolling hills and yeah, yeah that, that was my first time hunting those, and it, it is a good area. Cause you get in those marshy areas or, like, that CRP style. Your average guy doesn't even mess with it, I found out, at least on this property. Yeah. Well, it's it's extremely hard to hunt, and, I mean, there's not a lot of places to set up. Mm-hmm. There's not really any pinch points. So, like, it can get – it's it's interesting, and, I, and I'm excited to re- really dive into marshes more and and fit, figure them out a little bit more but um i love having that at least close that way i know i've got some really solid bedding cover that more than likely these deer are are wanting to stay on property because it, they have some good secluded bedding cover they can survive in how long did it take for you to get into your spot and all situated and ready to go from once you got got out there yeah um Jeez, that was, I would say an hour and a half. Wow. Are you so like a slow I, walker and you like pay attention how you're walking or you take your like time? A, I'm, I'm getting there. It depends on, it depends on where I'm at in the hike. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm I had, I had a mile and a half hike one way. Wow. Um, 12, it was 1200 feet of elevation change and I had a creek to cross. So, um, and the, the creek was about an eighth of a mile into, well, no, a quarter mile, about, about a quarter mile in, into my hike. I had the creek crossing. So I was able to get it out of the way early and get out of my waders. But the whole hike was um, um, actually on the ridge and it, it wasn't a road hike. So that, that, was, that was what took a while. You know, there's a lot, lot of side hilling, a lot of up and down, pretty steep terrain. And until I got to about the last quarter mile, I really wasn't too concerned about walking too slow and quiet. Um, I, I had a good deer trail I, I was on. And as long as I stayed on that trail, I was able to stay quiet and move pretty nice. quick. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and stay out of the out of the cedars as much as I as possible. And kind of down on that bottom third. That way I, I could at least 
increased the odds of not spooking deer as much, you know, on my way in. And, and then when I got to that last quarter mile, um, it was actually a, a ditch. I was able to walk the Creek ditch up. So I was able to stay down in the bottom and I was able to walk on rocks, very minimal leaves, um, some, some wet and dirt spots. So I was able to stay pretty quiet and actually move fairly quick. And then I could pop up onto the ridge for, for a couple hundred yards and, and I'm to my tree. So that obviously was very slow and meticulous, but, um, as long as I was in a location that, you know, was pretty bare on leaves, I'd get there. I'd, I'd move a little bit faster if I was able to stay quiet and just get to my tree and then I could get set up and and w- wait out that last hour or so. Yeah, Angelo, I don't know if you could tell, but uh, he definitely puts his time into entry and exit route. Oh yeah, I can <laughs> I, I can I can really see your. It's all about access for you, you know. Yeah. Even it, even for me, like because I hunt private, I'm able to tailor the land. Yep. On an access point, you know, I'm able to sort of create a trail into my stand whereas from what i gathered public you're unable to you know cut down tree cut down like a limb or anything like that is that correct you're supposed to leave it the way that yeah and okay. yeah and you you're you're not able to clear nothing uh, anything and also you know you're also limited on where you can park due to <laughs> private land boundaries wow yeah. so so you know you're you know uh, a specific hunting location that you know if i own that property i would access it slightly differently because i'd be able to act to build an access mm-hmm. but you you know on public you're kind of you have to kind of take what you're given and do your best with it you know what i mean so like you, you you'll a lot of times i figure out a couple possible accesses and then, and then go from there where, you know, I determine one, okay, I'm going to spook more deer if I go this direction. Mm-hmm. So this, this one particular a- access and least disturbance and stay quiet and move pretty quick and, um, um, and then get, get to my tree and get set up. So you kind of, you kind of have to take what you're given and then do your best with wind and and staying quiet. That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of credit. I give so much credit to the individuals that go out and put that time in for you know and hunt public land. So, uh, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning a lot as I'm just listening to you talk. So I'm just processing everything through my through my brain right now. So, you know, Austin, uh, with, with sorry to interrupt, but with your with all your experience, man, for people that are diving into public land or like Angela, who's been thinking about it, me, who's year one, or even guys have been doing it for 20 years like you, what is like, do you think the three biggest reasons uh, these guys aren't making it or the average guy, I would say, is not making it to these honey holes that you find? Like um, like the obstacles kind of. One, they're, they're missing key details. And that they're, they're, they're kind of overlooking key details key details and sometimes it takes me a couple trips to actually see those details because they're so hidden like the 
and that that goes right down to the deer know how to survive on these properties and i'm looking for little pockets like i could be hunting a seven thousand acre property and honestly only have a handful of locations i want to hunt so so i can i can take that giant seven thousand acre property and dwindle it down to a combined maybe hundred acres that i actually want to hunt and 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 that that takes some time to kind of fit figure out but a lot a lot of guys too they're not um i see that they're not prepared as well uh you know we're getting close to postseason scouting which is my bread and butter that's that's where the deer are killed honestly these next few months coming up this is when i kill my deer and um i if you can formulate a plan well enough now you know, going into these next three months, the fall, you're so streamlined for your fall hunting and you can help minimize your disturbance, which is the key. And, um, you know, the, everything is so mobile now, it's gotten to be a little bit different where it used to be walk the furthest, you know what I mean? And, um, net now the term work harder than the next guy has a little slightly different meaning where you're not just physically trying to outdo that person that that next hunter you're just trying you're trying to um, have a better approach you're kind of trying to do things a little bit differently and a little bit extra you're trying to be a little extra and and that's what you're going to do in order to outsmart these public land deer because it they're not going to give you very many options i mean very many chances to Mm -hmm. to capitalize and you know if you miss one opportunity you may never see that buck again so um it's just kind of one of those things and be ready to capitalize when it happens (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know what i mean like when, when the opportunity presents itself like do do your best to be so prepared and ready that when that when that opportunity presents itself, you can capitalize on it. Yeah, I really, think that's important for sure. Well, and I, you, it really comes down to preparation, honestly, and that goes straight down to access, scent control, and um, and just the overall that their overall approach to the hunt. And Angela, you're saying something? Yeah. So you just hunting that public land is already difficult as it is. And then you go throwing in, you know, self-filming on top mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. How do you go about sort of, you know, because I'm trying to get into self, self-film a little bit. How do you balance, you know, the self-filming part of it and the actual killing part, you know? So that, that right there is very difficult. Um, I mean, self-filming is extremely hard filming in general is hard but self-filming is extremely hard and that that's i'm a hunter number one you know what i mean i'm a deer i'm a deer hunter i'm there to be successful Mm -hmm. and and i've just i've learned i've set up my my camera setup in a manner that if for some reason i'm unable to get the kill shot on film I can still tell the story. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, I, yeah. I've learned, I've learned how to tell a story and to produce a video that 
if for some reason I'm unable to get this kill shot on film, I can still tell the story, which, which honestly is what is what makes the video is the yeah. story. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I run that second camera angle. You know, I, what, what I do is I put a giant SD card in it and I plug in an external power source to that GoPro and that GoPro is facing me and is on running all day. So, wow. so you, you at least can see the moment that it happens and how I'm responding in the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if, if I'm unable to get it on ca- camera, but, um, to get the actual kill shot on camera, I practice on every single deer that comes by every single deer that comes by. I try to film it. You know, you work wow. on, you, you, you work on focusing, you work on your movement in the tree be, because as a filmer, you have, you have to get away with more movement. Mm-hmm. and and more gear so you're carrying more weight into the woods and you have a longer setup in the tree so it means you got to get there even earlier yeah. to to get your camera gear all set up in the tree and then be re- ready to hunt so so it just adds a few more features to it and then the more deer you actually film and practice on it kind of streamlines your process, you know, just like you were with a bow, you know, you're practicing with, with your bow so much. Same thing with your camera. Get to know your camera like the back of your hand. That that way, when that opportunity presents itself, you can immediately grab your bow, get your camera, you know, on, hit record, and then go, go from there. And then um, and then just pay attention to what, what he's doing. and. Yeah. And, or, you know, if you're, if you're fit filming a doe, pay attention to what, what she's doing. Um, try to set your camera up, say, keep it on a, a wider angle as best you can. You, you know what I mean? You know, get, yeah. get a good, get a, get a good film, you know, frame, get it, get them in frame pretty good, but keep a wider angle. That way, if your camera's going to be just off a little bit, which more than likely it probably will be you know, as a self filmer. So that way you can at least make sure that you get, you got something on film. That's why you got your stealth cam though, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? dude, that I, I, I was so pumped oh when, when I, when I, I didn't even think about that. I got that deer on unreal. camera. Yeah. And uh, unreal. <laughs> I, I was, you know, it, it was probably 20 minutes after I shot that deer. I'm like, Oh, that camera's on video <laughs> mode. <laughs> like, I was like, no way. Yeah, that was wicked, dude. That it blew was, up too on Instagram. That was unreal. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it blew up on Instagram. I was like, I, I was, I, I knew when I saw it that I was a, that was a sick shot. But I was like, man, that, that straight up blew. It's still going, honestly, on Instagram. Yeah, that's great. yeah. I mean, it's just a super cool angle and it shows you how steep of a shot it really was i mean he was he was 10 yards away so how how high how high were you i was right around 20 feet okay so that's a that's a tough angle yeah that that's it uh 10 yard quartering two um you know and i was about 20 feet so it, it was that was a pretty pretty steep shot and um 
I didn't hit any bone. Luckily he was just a thick, a thick deer, but, mm. um, yeah, he didn't, he, I got plenty of penetration. He didn't go 60 yards. Yeah, uh, that's all you, you can ask for right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was textbook. I was watching it. I'm like, man, that's just all you can ask for. Exactly. It, it was. And, and to go back kind of what you're talking about with self-filming, You'll get, I'm sure you saw this in the video, but, um, this deer actually, I set up originally for him to come out more to my left. So I set my camera, you know, I'm record recording and, um, he, he stops to, um, smell this spot that a hot doe peed at just not, not an hour before that a hot doe came through and she peed in this location. He came Mm -hmm. in and smelt it. So, you know, I, I'm at full draw and, and thinking he's going to come in more to my left and at, he's probably 30 yards right now. So, but what he ended up doing is he stayed behind some cedars and then he kept walking into the scrape. So I didn't have a shot on him until he cleared this cedar at, at 10 yards. So, so he, he was 15 yards away from me when, um, I, I, I was still at full draw I had to push my camera out of the way at full draw. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't even, I wasn't even hardly thinking about getting this deer on film right now. Just, I was actually getting my camera out of the way to shoot him. Yeah, like yeah. My, my camera was in the way of my shot at the, this point. So <laughs> I actually had to push the camera out of the way at full draw. And, and I knew I was pointed in the right direction, but didn't know what it looked like on the, lcd screen and um but it was out of the way he came walking in and gave gave me a perfect shot and then looking back on the footage i got some really good foot film of him so i was really happy with how that turned out yeah but that's just one of those deals you know you're self-filming can be so tricky i mean any other situation i missed the the kill shot yeah on deer because if that camera wasn't in my way, I turn, I'm, I'm a hunter right now. I'm not even worried about what that camera's doing. Honestly, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. To not mess up my opportunity at this deer <laughs> at yeah. this point, yeah. at this point in the game. <laughs> so it's a little bit, a little bit, bit of luck at times when it comes to getting the camera just right. But you, you look kind of figure out, what where it needs to go and and so on yeah i'd agree with that when i filmed my kentucky buck this year i yeah. knew he was going to come from the general direction but that was the first time i've sat that far back to where they were coming from so i didn't know exactly where and, yeah uh, i actually moved my stand my stand was facing direction a different direction i moved it probably a uh, quarter way around the tree and uh, he ended up coming like straight to my left walking straight at me on a line and same thing, I had my camera where just how the angle of my camera was because I thought he was going to walk straight out in front of me. Yep. He was walking up to me and he comes like 15 yards. And, uh, yeah, he, he kind of had me pinned. He knew something wasn't right. And luckily, he took a turn to the left and started walking that way. And I grabbed the camera and turned it. I was like, I think he's going to walk through a shooting lane <laughs> right there. And like you said earlier, I was like, I'm going to keep it on wide angle. Because you can yep. have the, the, the cool thing about these newer cameras, too, a lot of them have really good zoom when you get into the editing side of stuff. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, so- yeah. And I got – he walked up into like, the one shooting lane I had, the way he was walking, hit him with the good old Grant, stopped right at the window. And I hit it was perfect. Lane, so. It was yeah. perfect footage. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, 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 was it worked great. out. That's, that's, only, that's my first bow buck kill on film, only my second buck kill ever uh, self-filming. So that's- I've been self-filming for like 10 years. Yeah, that's so cool. It, it's a whole nother ball game. I mean, people really don't – unless you do it, you really don't truly understand and appreciate what it takes. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a, and then, then to do it it well to produce a, a video, you know, that that people will enjoy and yeah. make, make, at least make it look like you got a cameraman. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, and be able to learn from it too. and enjoy but learn from it at the same time um but i noticed that you were hunting from a saddle how much did that help you with that hunt because i was was watching the video and man you were able to just get around that tree so quick yeah i'm curious to hear this austin you're a big buck killer i respect the hell out of you man so i'm not i don't know about the saddle so try to convince me So, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be real with with you too. So I've been super iffy about the saddle, right? Mm -hmm. And for, so a couple years ago, I finally bought one. I was like, okay, I, I keep hearing this. Let, let's give this a try. So I finally bought, bought one. Um, I spent the entire season in the saddle and it was probably one of the most uncomfortable seasons I've ever hunted. And it just Mm -hmm. straight wore me out. And the saddles was never the issue. Like I was never uncomfortable from the saddle standpoint. It was, it's learning how to position my feet and position my legs and, and tether height and just kind of figuring all of that out to, to get comfortable in a tree. Mm-hmm. And I hunt all day a lot. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the re- reason for that comes down to what we were talking about earlier is access if if I were to leave the stand during lunchtime and come back, I I would not have time to eat lunch. So so it, it would just it just be a waste of one time and energy, and then two the disturbance. So I, I hunt all day a lot, and um, it just it straight up wore me out. Yeah. So so last year I hunted out of my tree stand almost predominantly. I hunted it in my saddle for in Kentucky, and then the rest of the season I was out of my tree stand. And and this year, I, I started out with my tree stand, and one of the main things that I was having issues with on this particular property was I kept getting picked off because the the trees I had to hunt were pretty bare, and and um, I couldn't really hunt as high as I typically would like to, and I didn't have the kind of cover that I usually have in the tree. So I was, I, I was getting picked off in my stand and, and I finally just re- realized, okay, I'm going to have to saddle hunt this property. I, I, that's the only way I'm going to be able to stay concealed is to saddle hunt this pro- property. And, um, that's really what, what helped stay concealed and keep me, keep this deer from picking me off when I, when I moved my camera was because I looked a lot more natural. I was up in that upright position. You know, you look a lot more like, like the tree and, um, 
And that, that was the cool thing too, is just like you said, I was able to move around the tree. Yeah. So where I might've been seated when this, when I originally drew, if I was in my tree stand, if I were, if I were in my tree stand, I would have had to completely shift my body and move more to position myself to where he eventually came out where Mm -hmm. in saddle, all I had to do, I didn't even have to take a step. All I had to do was slowly shift my weight and swing around the tree a little bit more. And it, it, it cleared up my shot. So one, I looked a lot more natural in the tree and I didn't get picked off. And then two, it dramatically minimized the amount of movement required to position myself for this shot. So after, after this fall, and I also learned a few tricks to stand comfortable this fall also. So, um, Honestly, after this fall, I'm gonna be hunting for my saddle a lot more. Wow. So, like it, that's that. It was kind of a a um, light bulb moment, eye for, opener, huh? Yeah, for the, this <laughs> this fall. And and honestly, this buck was actually my first deer out of a saddle. I, I I had never shot a deer from my saddle until this buck. Well. <clears throat> This buck just keeps getting more special and special. Right, right. <laughs> He's got it all. Yeah, I mean this this is a really cool deer to hunt, and um, I'm gonna just so y'all y'all know more about this deer. I was actually unable to do any kind of postseason scouting on this pro- property this year, so everything that I did was in season scouting and trail camera footage. That's the only intel that I had to go off of for this. So that that was also fun and a challenge in a way, which I, I really enjoyed, was fit, figuring out if I'm unable to do my postseason scouting like I typically would, can I still get it done? And 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 then how can I get it done? What what's my, what does my process need to look like? When did so, you first get boots on the ground? Um, I think it was August 20th. Okay. So I didn't actually get to this location until my second trip, which was, um, the, like the first weekend in September, I think first or second weekend in September before season started. Mm-hmm. So that, that's when I finally got to this specific location and I, and we found open scrapes already and got cameras set up to start collecting intel on that. So, um, hey, I got to interrupt you one time. When you went to Kansas and you hit these public land pieces, your first, yep. like that, especially that piece you killed this buck on, was it like what you, what you thought it would be? Is it what everybody dreams of going to hunt Kansas? Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. I mean, it, it's not what, obviously it's not going to be what you see on TV because it's a public land. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I was extremely impressed with the the um, how the deer responded to this property, and um, just the o- what, overall what I saw. I didn't, I didn't. I mean, this dude's a giant deer. He's an awesome animal, but I didn't see any monsters per se. You, you know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. not I didn't get any pictures of any monsters, but um, and not to say it didn't happen because those cameras are still up. <laughs> so <laughs> you run you run a lot of uh, card cameras, right? More so than cell cameras, or, or do you run any cell cameras? I run some if I have service, but but this property didn't have any service, so all of those cameras are card cameras. Okay. Yep. So, um, but I mean, you know, it, it. I was impressed with how well the deer used the property, how patternable they were, and how comfortable that they were. So, from a a deer hunter standpoint, I really enjoyed hunting Kansas for sure, and I, I am. Definitely going back next year. <laughs> yeah, that's, we, awesome. that's where we hope to be going. Uh, we won't be hitting public land. I mean, we could. Who knows? But with the old John boy, uh, he's our he's our connection to get into Kansas. So oh, I hope yeah. we make it out there. And hopefully, I was my biggest buck, man. That's my that's what I'm hoping for next year. I was completely surprised because going off of your video and what John has been telling us, like I'm just expect I was just expecting like plains and very little trees. And I look at your video, I'm like surrounded by trees, a bunch of oak leaves on the ground. I'm like, what is this? Well, this is not Kansas. This is up by me. Right? You know? So yeah. I was completely shocked that that kind of terrain was, you know, in, in Kansas. So it was, it was nice to see. You were around like river bottoms, right? Awesome. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I've found. I mean, if I got away from where, where I was, I'd be a lot more plains and open ground. But okay. And and once you drove away from these river bottoms and the initial ridges, it did open up and got more to ditches and draws and okay. more, more more plains type of hunting. Mm-hmm. So a little different ball game, man. Then plains deer just they're different. Yeah, they they're gonna cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they cover a lot of ground. So um, yeah, I was actually super pumped that I was able to find the the type of oak flats that i found so i i i'm su- i was super pumped about that so let's go into the day of this buck that yep. you uh that you killed him. what day was it that was a monday um Ooh, I, a monday were you on vacation or yeah yep i was i had that whole week taken off <laughs> 10 yeah, 10 day rutcation huh yeah um and it it started actually in missouri so okay. we we have a annual deer camp that that we do with all the guys on opening weekend of rifle. So I got there on on Thursday evening and did some scouting, hunted the evening with my bow on Friday, and then um, Saturday hunted all day, and then Sunday morning hunted. Um, actually, darn near um shot a absolute monster on opening morning really yeah he's he's a 170 i mean Mm. he was he was looking pretty darn close to what my deer was last year Oof. so i mean absolute stud and i was i was pretty bummed that i couldn't seal that that deal but that's deer hunting for you right yeah it was easy exactly wouldn't, wouldn't care as much yeah exactly and um so yeah, so I hunted the the morning Sunday morning, and then packed up and left and went to Kansas um, that evening. So I, my best sign was in Kansas. My, so I wanted to 
hunt the more predictable movement, hunt the best sign. And that was definitely there. So I, I left, went to Kansas and, um, um, went into, I found this, this specific tree was about 50 yards from an original tree that I hunted early in September. And the weekend before this particular weekend, I actually located a shift in their scrapes. Um, the main scrape that they were using dried up. And then that there is a, a cluster of about three scrapes that were monsters about 50 y- yards away. So I, I ended up actually um, setting a different tree that w- weekend, which set up this sit on Monday, which I went straight back to this tree on Monday morning. I pulled my card out of that camera that, that was up on that scrape. It, it had only been there for a week because I just shifted, right? I just moved it. And then um, um, it was a it was a packed day. I saw quite a few deer. It had a, a little, um, probably a two-and-a-half-year-old deer come in. Really nice-looking deer. He, he worked the scrape a little bit. Um, and it was really interesting to see. So we, he got to the scrape. And he, he wasn't there very long. He sniffed the licking branch, started looking around, and then took off. Yeah, so, big brothers around. And and I knew it wasn't me because my wind was right. He, he, he didn't catch my wind. So I knew he didn't catch my, catch my scent, and he never looked at me. So, he, so I knew he didn't spook at me. And, um, but that, that, that was really cool seeing them like, okay, there's a good deer using this. And I had that hot doe come in. Um, she was squatting and peeing and she came straight to the scrape. She brought a little fork with her and, um, you know, used the scrape a little little bit. I had quite a few other does around me and it, it was a, it was an overcast day, really chill wind, um, very calm day um cold and um so perfect conditions great day to be in there i finally checked my car while i was in the tree and the first picture on that new scrape that i just moved my camera to was him was at 10 point so i knew i knew he he was there and i i mean maybe 30 minutes after i i looked at the card i see a deer coming and i could tell it was a good it was a good body deer looking through the cedars i couldn't see a whole lot so i just got my bow ready got started getting my camera ready so it's all on and ready to go right Mm -hmm. and um i finally saw there's a shooter buck so i was trying to evaluate what exactly what he was and i once he got to about 40 50 yards i could see him good enough i could tell it's the 10 point so i'm like all right game on (laughs) so so he he was he, he was coming in perfectly, I mean, on a b- beeline, and um, he stopped for a while, um, smelt the the spot where that doe had peed, and and didn't exactly follow her trail. She He kind of stayed back in the cedars just a little bit off of her trail, so he didn't clear up a shot for me until he actually got to the scrape, and... Um, Oh, have you noticed that with a lot of big bucks? Because like it's the more I, hunt, the more I've noticed that these big mature 
more mature they get, they don't usually walk in those dough, like what you call dough trails, the dough you yeah. usually use them. They're mm-hmm. usually, like you just said, right off of them from what I've noticed. I've I've noticed that same thing and that they're always going to stay in that thicker cover. So, so you know, whether he, you know, he obviously didn't, didn't know I was there, but, you know, he knew that, that his route that he was currently on was slightly thicker than what that doe had had come in on so um he stayed just behind the cedars a little longer it took him a while actually to work his way in so i held i held my draw for almost a minute i think it it was by the time he finally gave me a shot and um you had to be shaking him pretty good there at the end weren't you especially that big of a buck holding the draw that long I, I was it, it was it was just straight adrenaline like I, he, he i knew it was the deer i wanted so i started to get the shakes a little bit mm-hmm. and i'm like man okay okay chill <laughs> deep, deep, deep breath deep breath let's relax let's let's we can celebrate later let's just make sure i get a clean shot so um, so he he came in get i didn't have to stop him he just stopped right at the scrape and and get gave me a a perfect 10 yard shot there and um and just just ran off and i i was really paying attention to him because i knew i didn't get a pass through obviously like i wanted but you know i knew i got enough penetration to kill him i just wanted to make sure that i wasn't going to bump him so yep. he didn't far hey so, you're you were keeping your cool uh, you're, yeah. you're sort of keeping your voice down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'd be exploding up in the trees. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, like the, it, it took everything in me not to, man. Like that yeah. was, I was like, well, let's let's not bump him. Like I, like I, I'm pretty sure he's gonna die pretty quick. But the last thing I want to do is do something that possibly shoots some adrenaline into him. Mm-hmm. and and bumps him a li- little bit and i end up losing blood you know what i mean so mm-hmm. so no he he was he didn't go anywhere he he was done really really fast so i, I couldn't have i couldn't have asked for a better sit- situation that's for sure yeah i know for me like when i shot that kentucky buck i didn't see him die so like in the video i'm pretty calm too because i'm like nah i wasn't too sure about the shot like where'd i hit him yeah, mm-hmm. like when I shoot, I didn't have a Luminox on. I'm I'm usually always filming so I can go back, but right there in the moment, I had to make sure I like where's the last place I saw him and popped it yep. up on my Onyx. And then yep. once I like got down and saw I hit him good and saw lung blood, I got more excited, but still was like ah. And then when I saw him, <laughs> I I lost it, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that's that's the way I, I am. I, I try to try my best to try to keep keep my cool. You know, and then too, I want to listen and just observe and and make sure I, I'm paying attention to the direction he went and how he's moving. But yeah, shoot, shooting those those lighted knocks are a game changer, dude. Like it's it, it makes such a difference with knowing exactly where, where I'm where my placement was. Yeah, I've I've shot them quite a few years in the past. I just didn't get them this year. I like yeah. for the ones I've shot, they've always shot good for me. Yeah, I've I've my, mine have never shot any different than my regular knocks. I've really enjoyed. I think it is. I I do use the lit luminox, so it was. Mm-hmm. I, had, yeah, I, I like I had the luck with them. So yeah, sure. So uh, you did you see him go down? 
Well, um, no, because he went behind a tree. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he went behind a tree and just laid down. So I, it, there was no crash. That, that was part of what, what the deal was, too, is there was no crash. There was no dramatic ending. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you see the pictures of him on on social media and on my video. That's exactly how he laid. So yeah. I, he just laid straight down on his belly. Yeah, and he, it's like he bedded down. He did. Know? I know. Yeah. It looked like he just bed, bedded down and was done. So um, th- there was no crash or anything. So I really wanted to keep quiet for a while and try to observe. Um, not not. 15 minutes after that i actually saw a deer up there it was a buck so i'm like wait a second no way is he walking <laughs> and and uh, i figured it was a di- di- different deer you know the body was smaller and and it, by from that distance and through brush it looked like the rat you know it was a different di- deer but i was like okay let's just make sure let's just hang out a little, little while and make sure it's not him and and he was moving like he wasn't hurt so i'm like okay that's probably not my deer so i went went up and he was actually smelling the deer that my deer that i shot he he came down and was smelling my buck he's probably going i'm like oh who's the big right? guy now mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah yeah no he he was smelling my deer and then just kind of wandered off he's kept his distance and wandered off so how how long did you like? What'd you do after that moment? You like saw him. You're like, okay, bedded down right there. Like, what was your like next initial thought? Like, what was what did you do? Well, ne- um, ne- next thought was I'm I'm texting my brother and everybody. <laughs> was yeah. your brother up there with you hunting? I just shot him. <laughs> yeah, was he up so, there on that trip with you? No, it was just me. Okay. So um, yeah, I'm I'm te- texting everybody and um. I got on the phone with, with him and we, we were talking at all. And I, I ended up, I give all of my deer 45 minutes before I get out of my tree. So mm-hmm. I, I, whether I see him go de- down or not, I, I'm usually don't leave my tree for 30 to 45 minutes. And, um, and th- then at that point I got down real slow. I grabbed my broken off arrow so I could see exactly what, what my penetration was and then slowly work up the direction that I saw him go. And I could see his back at that point. So I knew, I knew he was done. So I'm like, okay, let's get the camera. Let's get the, the recovery vi- video set. He's done. So let's go get him. <laughs> Heck so, yeah, man, that is, that's awesome. Your first year, dude. Uh, is it, was that your first year doing like the straight in-season scouting too? I've, have you done that I, at other states? I've had to do a little bit of it in, in Missouri with having to bounce around from property to property, um, but not a ton of it. Usually, the properties I'm hunting, I've I've always done serious postseason scouting. So mm-hmm. th- this was really kind of the first time that I was forced to rely purely on um, trail camera footage and um, in-season scouting kind of a little bit of preseason but mostly in-season scouting so that so that that was that was a fun little um kind of a fun challenge to figure out and and test a process in in a way the cool thing i love about doing these podcasts and you might talk to some guys and it might not 
correlate with what they're doing, but basically your whole story is obviously a little different. It it goes to what I've been doing on my Kentucky property, and that's two complete different areas of the country. Yeah. Uh, like different topography, the same sort of, but it's just cool how you can hear stuff from guys like you who've been doing this for years and just little tips and tricks yeah. that will help you. Like I've heard things from you that makes me think more into this Kentucky property and then yeah. more so when I go scout any new property, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that, that's the fun thing too, and that's what I've enjoyed about getting on you know with with you guys and another podcast i've done is is i i love connecting with other deer hunters you know swapping stories and you just never know what you're going to learn you, you yeah. know what i mean yeah. because because of all of our different hunting you know situations you know you guys will experience things that you know i haven't and vice versa and we can become better deer hunters from it yeah and that's yeah. that's what it's all about you know it at, is. The end, at, at the end of the day we're just constantly learning i always tell everyone i'm going to keep learning until the day i die you know Absolutely. i'm never i'm never going to get to that point where i know everything ever <laughs> whether that, it's for you know yeah and a lot of these tips you want to think you're like okay i might use that and you like kind of forget about it and then i've been going on because i've been bumped around a bunch of different public between kentucky and indiana just trying to scout new stuff new areas and stuff and then bam something will hit you that you heard or something that you read or saw on youtube and then you're like okay i'm gonna try this right here or something like that it just for my brain it works that way some things will just like it'll click when it sees i see it i'm a big visual guy yeah yeah and like what what austin was saying with those little details i mean going back to that little the two and a half year old coming in you know going up to the scrape and then running off you know, most people aren't going to think, all right, there's mm-hmm. something, there's something bigger there. You know, it's the little details that, that you were focusing on, which is awesome. You know, I'm able to take that, to, you know, my private place and sort of focus on how the deer are acting, focus on all those little, those little things. So I, I find that to be, you know, a great, great takeaway. Absolutely. And, uh, Angelo just got cell cams for the first time, uh, just what, this week? Yeah, John John Boy sent he sent me a couple from Kansas to try out. Um it's addicting. <laughs> yeah, and the, the cool thing about it's dangerous is like my favorite thing about it is all your photos are right there, like on storage. So you can sit there like I did it last night, I got bored and went through photos and even though I saw these photos when they came through my phone and I looked at them and stuff, but once I've went back after like two months and saw like the pattern of what a deer doing, it's just mm-hmm. it's so much easier than the uh, like the card side where you have all these uploaded maybe you have them uploaded to a computer but for me it's usually just downloaded straight to my phone and it kind of gets yeah. lost so yeah. i love love having that side of the cell camera it just makes so much easier because then you can filter like a buck and sometimes it'll mess up but for the most part it works pretty darn good and uh it's just it's a tool that i've been using this year since i've dove into truck or cell cameras harder than i ever have and it's it, it's awesome man just knowing those getting that ping and knowing that buck's going through there right then. Like a lot of the time, especially like these properties, I hunt the rough properties. It's kind of like, okay, it happened, but you got to think for next year because yeah. a lot of these bucks are doing those patterns year after year. Yeah, they even, are. D- even different bucks. Absolutely. I mean, if you, you can, and that's really, that's usually how I have to hunt because rarely am I able to hunt a specific deer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm hunting a location that, multiple 
shooter bucks have used in the past. So, you know, if I get one of those bucks show back up, great. Um, if not, I know that there's going to be other shooter bucks use this area. So, um, um, it's, it's putting the numbers, you know, to your advantage and like the, those cell cameras, the, the, one of the tricks with them is, you you know, yeah, I'm, I'm two and a half hours away. Uh, I'm not immediately running to my stand, you know, when, when that buck shows up, but what, what it would have allowed me to do is put that wind pattern together slightly faster mm-hmm. i might have i, I might have had that pattern put together two weeks sooner you, you know what i mean versus um there to, towards that when i actually shot him when i actually yeah. got enough yeah. data that i actually had could put the pattern together for him and because i gotta wait a couple weeks to pull my card and actually and then evaluate the the foot the pictures and whatnot which is nothing wrong, wrong with that, that at all i like i like doing that mm-hmm. so um but yeah with the set cell camera you at least get that that immediate data and you can keep up with them a little bit faster yeah i got my one on that kentucky piece i'm not too far from it but i'm far enough where i'm not going to go check that card very often yeah, and uh, now that I'm tagged out, I left it out there just to see what they do all through the winter and everything, and it's pretty cool. I hadn't had anybody walk through it all during the rut, but as late season comes, I've had some uh, some bird hunters <laughs> come through there hunt some like quail. I'm guessing or yeah. something like that, and two guys with a bird dog. That same day, right before them, like 20 minutes before them, a guy was walking through, just looked like your normal whitetail guy, had sick on, looked like he was scouting, and yeah. then. Uh, here recently like a week later a guy went walking through uh had a bunch of duck decoys and he's going to hit some of them swamp ponds <laughs> That's crazy. So there was like nobody walked through there late season hit but what i was bringing this up is because it was cool to see what the deer did after these people walked through yeah because sometimes yeah. like yeah. when the bird point. hunters when the bird hunters went through and they were being obviously loud or not caring how they're walking because they're bird hunters and so so my interpretation of it is these deer knew they were there those guys weren't walking right into their bedding area they were walking yep. the outskirts in the crp mm-hmm. and then deer came back that same night but when that duck hunter went in there and he was he was duck hunting them ponds where they're walking through like every yep. morning and every night and I'm, I'm sure he was shooting you can't see that from a tra- trail camera but i didn't see him walk out either but uh yeah the deer didn't come back for a while after he went by a lot more disturbance huh yeah, yep, yep. and it's just cool seeing that like in there because I would have never known that it had been two months down the road. I went and checked it, and then got all this data, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But like seeing it in the moment and seeing how these deer are, like, like in real time, it's just it's really cool. Never experienced anything yeah, like it's it. A, it's, it's a great tool to have. You know, it just it seems is. like it just seems like all this technology is just getting better and better. You know, it is. It's a good, good, th- good thing and a bad thing, I think. But yep, um, I agree, and that that's where we got to be. We got to be careful and you know yep. at, at what point does does it become an unfair advantage you, you, yeah. you know what yeah so that that's kind of the line that we've got to be so careful with as technology increases is at, at, at what point does it actually become such an unfair fair advantage that we need to um, think about something yep and take a yep, step back I think, and sort of i personally yeah. think cell cameras are on the line i think if they go any farther than a cell yeah. camera i think it's not going to be fair chase because 
I personally think cell cameras are they're already pushing fair chase, but mm-hmm. it's legal, so I'm going to use every tool I can at the same time, you know. Oh, there's there's some states that are trying to ban it. Is that correct? Yes. Utah, uh, Utah's uh, West, banned. Utah? Yeah. Utah, Utah's banned, okay. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, I was born, actually. I got a bunch of family out there, so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's starting. <laughs> yeah, and, and that that's it. And, you know, you, you see a lot, lot of the – unfair side of it a lot more on private i think is um you know you 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 get a picture you hear stories a lot lot about guys getting a picture of a deer and then immediately going to their tree stand you know it's like a 20 minute walk and they shoot them that evening you know what i mean like that that is a that's really pushing Mm. that whole fair chase thing You (laughs) you know what i mean like that's yeah, that's really put pushing it. But what I, what I enjoyed using them for is, um, in Kentucky and out of state hunts. Yeah. It, I can set up around an entire property, and at least it gives me a direction to go. Lot or like, even a shooter to know there's a buck worth chasing in there at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then when I finally get get the property, I can at least start zeroing in a l- little bit more on say I, I hunt the north side rather than the south side and and i know it now rather than um y- you know when i get to prop property and i, ha- I have limited time to scout so yeah. th- it's th- th- there's there's pros and cons to them for sure and it's it's at what point are we going to cross the line you know yeah. what i mean yeah and that's uh, and that's the thing with me with going in because i was running just you know card cams yeah i usually do it when i go in after my sit i go and check all the cameras yep you know that's the only time i could do it because i'm i'm a weekend warrior i only hunt on the weekends for the most part and i hate it because i'm trampling around i'm trying to do it quiet yep but you know there comes a point where (laughs) It's definitely it's definitely not helping my situation out. So the cell cams, you know, that, that oh, yeah. definitely helps. I'm staying out. I get in. I get out nice and quick. And, uh, you know, I'm not, sure. not spooking deer. For sure. They really are. Yeah. All right. So, Austin, we're going on about an hour. But I got one little more topic that you can uh, go on. So, like, for guys that are kind of scared to hop onto the, the public land train and get their feet wet, I know it, it's weird, especially going scouting by yourself. It's kind of, it is kind of scary to do it for your first time. But the cool thing about it is, and I learned this year, this year being my first year diving into it pretty heavy, is it can only get better after your first year because you'll have all that knowledge and everything. So, like, what do you have to say about that? Like, guys getting into public land hunting. Really look at the maps and. and and do your homework you know what i mean you know learn the properties that that you're interested when it comes to regulations um access trails and parking lots um do do your homework on the property and then just just go put boots on the ground you know don't don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to to put the miles uh, on on your boots and um and just wear out the soles a little bit you know, and I think it's a good thing to like, what are your expectations? Like, what are you looking for? Like, that's a huge one right, right there. I'm glad you brought that up because don't, I think where a lot of guys go wrong going into the public land game 
is they're expecting that 150 to 170 that they they either see on their private land or they see a lot of other guys you know posting you know about yeah. you know about this shot that and they're absolute monsters right but those are on managed private properties so, yeah. so when it comes to a public land no matter how skilled you get with it, you need to keep an expectation extremely realistic. So, so for, even for me, for as long as I've been doing this, a hundred thirty inch deer is a shooter. Yeah. In my, yeah, you, you know what I mean. Where, yeah. where a lot of guys would turn up their nose to that that kind of deer. That's that's a shooter in my in my book. And then the only thing that's going to change my mind is if I have direct evidence that i've got something bigger for me to chase you know you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. oh exactly that's my kentucky property like you yeah. know this i see you on tiktok tiktok people just say some outlandish things oh, good <laughs> <laughs> but uh like the buck i killed even the cool it was a cool story actually uh like when i got the buck out there at this gas station that's like right there around a bunch of these pieces of public where like you're gonna stop if you want a drink because you have to go a little bit of distance and yep. there's always these old timers sitting out there on this picnic table and i walked in there because we were like halfway done dragging them out because it was a long drag and uh he's like what's up man i was like do you i actually i forgot i asked him i was like do you know anybody around here because there's some good old boys that might have a, a like a deer cart they're like a what yeah. I was like a cart to drag a deer out, and they're like, no, 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 and then they're talking. He's like, well, drive the deer by here when you get it done. And I showed him that buck, and he's like, dude, that's one of the biggest deer I've seen taken out of here in a, in a good while. Yeah, and uh, he is the biggest buck, maybe other than one that's right about the same score as him on that property to this day that I've had on trail camera. That's so cool. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, and I had history with that buck. That was the first big buck I got on trail camera in late August. That was the only buck I actually had targeted. I don't know if you knew that, Austin. I didn't. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Got 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 lucky with it, but I didn't even know it was my that target buck until about five days after I shot it, and then I put the pieces of the puzzle together. That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, so like hunting public land, you know, I mean, it, you're gonna work harder to shoot that 120 mm-hmm. and 130 than. But what you're gonna see a lot, lot of these guys posting on social media with their 160. Yeah. It's just, it's just the net name of the game, and you just need need to know that that's gonna be the way it is, and don't be afraid to move. You know, move, move properties, move stand locations, and and just keep working, keep trying to find the deer. I feel like hunting public land is there's no better excuse for an individual that loves to hunt. You know, it's yeah. giving you more opportunities to get out there. Like what you're saying, you got to put boots on the ground and actually get dirty and actually work. You know, yeah. not not saying that, you know, hunting private lands not work, but it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, more opportunities. From, from, what, from what I'm hearing, you know. Yeah, it's just different. It's just, yeah. different. you know, we're, yeah. we're a lot like, you know, if you're able to manage your property, which um, I would love to one day to do that is – the work is spent making sure the property can condone a good buck herd, a deer herd. You, you know what I mean? With, yeah. with, so it's like the work is spent, the work is done. It's just done slightly different where, mm-hmm. where it's not as difficult to locate deer where on public land, 
that's what we're, what we're working on is we're working on locating and yeah. then and then we can finally hunt them so so that that's the biggest difference right where it goes the difference in the the work done between public and private yeah that's a great point yeah and it's just a, like an accomplishment to do it on public and i know a lot of guys are the to get they got that mindset it's just like man i did it you can do it too that's the cool thing about public land if somebody kills a public land bug you can go do that exact same thing there's really no there's no excuse of not having a thousand acres of yeah. farm land it's yeah it's public land everybody put, can do it if you put your mind to it yeah that's the yeah i mean that that's what i love about it too is that i can hunt hundreds of thousands of acres you know across multiple states that i would never own i will never own that that kind of properties that kind of land and i'm able to move around and find deer and just just hunt and see a lot so many different areas that that that's the cool part of what what public land offers that if you only hunted private you wouldn't necessarily get to experience yeah no because they're different deer man those Plains, yeah. Great Plains deer are different. The Swampland deer are different. Mountain mm-hmm. deer are different. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a well-rounded hunter and just like, if you have the passion like I do, I want to kill every type of whitetail there is, man. I don't want to just, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be good at killing a deer. Like I, I can, I'm good at killing deer on my little 26 acre pressured property. Like been doing it for 10 years. I'm good at it. And that was one of my main reasons for diving into public. I just wanted that extra challenge and I wanted yeah. an extra buck tag too, man. Heck yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. If I <laughs> Two yeah. bucks is two times better than one buck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, awesome, man. Uh, you got, like, any last thoughts, Angelo? And uh, I know you got – you're doing great things. I love what you're doing. We all follow you, all the guys on yep. the bloodline. Yep. And we we watch YouTube. I follow you on TikTok, Instagram. And just uh, your last thoughts and plug a little bit, man. You're doing great things. And definitely plug your yeah. um, uh, land consulting stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can find me at Tactical Approach Outdoors, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, my website is tacticalapproachoutdoors.com. And and that, that's where you're going to find Deer Hunter Academy and my other um, consulting services. So, you know, Deer Hunter Academy, it covers 23 different topics. It's over five hours of educational content i mean it's a huge course and um the cool part what what i'm doing with my private land consulting is we covered this earlier um hunting private you know the approach to private at from a public land hunter's perspective is is you know a do with what you've got kind of approach to think outside the box and you know, help guys out with, you know, hey, why don't you move this stand over, over here versus over there? This is where this is where, where your buck's moving. You know what I mean? You know, get getting a different perspective. Um, I build an entire hunting plan for that that property. You know, all the main movement patterns, food sources, and bedding cover. I go into detail. The same is the exact same detail that I do with my hunting. Yeah. So it's it's exactly what I want to put into my consulting services and exactly what you'll find on Deer Hunter Academy as well. Yeah, and I think you're That's doing awesome. like all, all, great things, awesome man. I think yeah. you're 
like here in the future, I think he might be that next Don Higgins or um, I just went blank. What's the white tail edge guy's name? Oh, white tail edge. Yeah, I I know who. White tail habitat solutions. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Sturgis. Jeff Sturgis. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Saying, and and, and he, they both he, have in common with you, Don Higgins and him. They hunt public land too, so they know that side of things. And I think it's important to have both sides of it, so you can give that full spectrum of a, mm-hmm. just like yeah. knowledge. I think you can't. You can gain a lot of knowledge from private, but you, there's things you cannot gain on private that you can gain yeah, on public. Definitely. Land. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, those guys are extremely not knowledgeable, and I follow all their stuff. I've got four books of Jeff Sturgis's, and <laughs> so yeah, yeah. he's yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the I love the land management side of it. And I I appreciate what you're doing for you know just the uh, just the uh, hunting community and all the people that are trying to learn from you. So I appreciate that. Um, one yeah, thing I, that I one thing I that I want to just yeah, I do. Yeah, the education portion is what, in all honesty, is what I love the most about your page. Um, I appreciate but, that. But one thing that I w- want to ask, leave us with like a cliffhanger. What uh, what state's next for you? <laughs> so, leave so, us with a nice nice little cliffhanger here for uh, next time we get you on. Next year's massive. So you you, you guys were ta- talking about bouncing around and hunting deer in di- different regions. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing next year, basically. Awesome. So I'm I'm actually I'm I don't know if you all have heard it yet, but I'm going to um, pursue the whitetail slam next year. Oh, oh. hey, that's what a, is the whitetail slam? I like know of it, but give me some details on it because I've so, always had that dream to do that too. So the the whitetail slam that there's there's thirty to forty different subspecies of whitetail, um, but what they've done is they've separated out to eight main subspecies right and eight regions correct correct eight regions so the slam is harvesting four of the eight regions and so you don't gotta get all eight you're gonna do it yeah you're gonna do it bro that's been a dream that's been a dream of mine yeah yeah and that's awesome i want to do it in one year on public So, 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 so next year, next year, I've got, um, Missouri, Kansas, that they're in the same region, but they're home states. So I got to hunt them. Mm -hmm. Um, then I've got Illinois, Kentucky and North Dakota. Okay. Nice. You let me know when you come up to Illinois. Absolutely. I will. I'm going to be coming here the next couple months to start doing my scouting. Okay. Yeah. Let me know. I, 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 (laughs) I'd love to just tag along and just learn learn yeah. from you. That sounds you great. Know, that'd be yeah. awesome. It's going to be a big season next year, so I'm pumped. That That's awesome, man. That's and awesome, I know, buddy. dude. We'll be at the Kansas show at the end of next month. I hope to see you, man. See you in person. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I was um, talking to John about that also. Yeah, I'll, I'm definitely planning on on coming out there. I'd love to nice. meet meet you guys in person and and hang out for a little while that'd be awesome De- definitely that'd be great yeah it'd be a great time man well, i'm excited haven't met angela or john yet met big tyler so it's gonna be a good old time <laughs> that's awesome it, yeah it'll, that's- it'll be a blast but uh awesome man i appreciate you we're gonna stay in texas always and uh good luck if you're still getting after him this season i appreciate yep. it. Good- you guys also good luck buddy appreciate you man keep doing keep doing all, all the awesome work that you're
I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Love yes, talking. Sir. Yep, likewise. Everybody listening, thank you. We appreciate yep. it. And then thank you. Until next time.